The Bizzle. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. Bizzlecast listeners, welcome to the Bizzlecast commentary for the Firefly television series. Welcome to episode 7, Janestown, here with Maddie G, of course. We just got off laughing our fucking asses off to episode 6, Mrs. Reynolds and Matt. I think we did a pretty good job for a while, and eventually the floodgates just opened, and me personally just lost it. Yeah, in much the same way that Mal can only withstand uh, <laughs> Christina Hendricks' seductive wiles for about 25, 30 minutes of the episode, yep. that's about how long we lasted against the near-unceasing onslaught of jokes <laughs> before both of us really reached Deadpool-level giddiness. Mm. Uh, and by the end, it was a bit of a struggle to come up with anything intelligent to say because we were mostly just laughing. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think we needed to get out of our system. And I think part of why Mrs. Reynolds works so well is it is the first like straight up comedy episode of the series. And so in some ways, after Mrs. Reynolds, you're going, what can they do next, right? I mean, <laughs> you had two different pilots, and then you had like a couple of like really deep character episodes and world-building stuff and humor and now hilarity. And uh, I think Janestown... If, if Mrs. Reynolds was kind of that giant belly laugh that just almost destroyed my computer that I had, Janestown, while very, very, very funny throughout, um, kind of settles the series back into a groove that, that, that runs for quite a while, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, just, I guess what I'm like, it, it, if we can take Jane seriously for an episode and, and still be funny, like, I mean, we they, they've accomplished. Work. Yeah, they can make anything work. So, um, so, yeah, so this is a Jane episode. It's a pretty much a standalone episode. As we pointed out in Mrs. Reynolds, uh, you know, in terms of the main thing that carries over um, from before is that, you know, as creepy and weird and funny and dumb and uh, unself-aware as Jane is, he is very, very, very useful to the point of being indispensable at times. And uh, I can't wait to get to add a guess because the recruitment of Jane is one of my favorite scenes in, in the history of television. But th- this is another origin story of sorts, right? But uh, like all, all these uh, Whedon episodes uh, kind of throws the origin story on its head. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say so. It, it's not even exactly an origin story. It's just it's the moment where we start to see... Um, we I don't know. We, we start to see that even Jane who is very much the thug for hire character from every Western ever has more depth to him than that. And, you know, that was maybe Whedon's point or one of his points is that, you know, he was looking at Westerns and the ways that these people were all portrayed as two dimensional kind of cliches. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to present characters who fit the same archetypes, but were deeper. And even Jane is a little deeper than people think. They certainly try. <laughs> they certainly try. And uh, let's just dive into the episode. So everyone, cue up your DVDs, get the subtitles going, and we're going to uh, count you down here. You ready, Matt? Absolutely. All right, folks. And here we go into the countdown. Firefly Season 1, Episode 7, Janestown. 
All right. Three, two, one, go. Anyway, so this episode opens up and uh, a conversation between Kaylee and Simon. And this is one of the first episodes that's really going to see their relationship not necessarily taken to the next level as we might define it as of them actually getting together. But this is the first one that starts to establish one that Simon thinks something has feelings towards Kaylee, that their interaction is not just her pining for him, that he also feels (laughs) reciprocate some of those feelings have good sex uh, and just doesn't know what to do with it because he's not good at talking to, well, anybody basically. Um, Here's Jane acting like a buffoon. <laughs> um, wh- one of the great character choices with Kaylee is making her completely open, honest, and comfortable with sex. Right. You think a good girl like her wouldn't be like that, right? I mean, it's just the perfect juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. She's so comfortable with herself and everyone around her. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean... I- as we said in the last commentary, she is introduced uh, in the origin episode out of gas <laughs> having sex. You know, I I don't know what to make of it other than that she kind of grew up in this rustic setting and she just never learned to feel shame towards yeah. that side of her, I guess. That's bad Simon writing right there. That's not his fault. But, it, you know, Jade tears well, apart. No, how can that be? That's pretty funny. It's okay. Um, it, Jane tears apart the whole place just to get right medical tape (laughs) 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 oh this is a great shot that might be the best we see in the series actually right there i forgot about that that from above shot you know this is an episode where we see you know this episode even though it's called janestown and it's about jane gives everybody something to do for the most part this in, in a way that even the last episode we pointed out river doesn't she's barely in the episode uh she has almost nothing to do and this one she has her very funny scenes um you know this is another comedy episode they're all very funny this is one that i think was deliberately aiming to be on the more comedic side um yeah i mean excuse me (laughs) i mean it's there's there's mel and then there's river and simon those are the two main storylines and, right. and and so if if the if the episode is concerning anyone else, whether Jane or Wash, as we'll see in War Stories, you have to build a lot of sub stories around it. That's just that's just how it's structured. Mm-hmm. And this is, as you pointed out, exactly one of those episodes. And I always forget how important of a Kelly Simon episode that this is. I mean, there's basically this, and then there's there a little flirting in um, what is it? The message. Where they're looking at the cow uh, fetus or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and then there's the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, the message in this, are, in terms of the episodes oh, about yeah. Kaylee and Simon, I think those are the two big ones. <laughs> this um, was an important episode, too, for the shepherd to, as a character, not be taken so seriously. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> and look at River saying, yeah, it's going to be fine. <laughs> I'm going to fuck with you. Um <laughs> and it's great how they build you're like why is he wearing all this stuff yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh this is brilliant that they could start using simon for uh for crime 
in the same way that Mal sees River as having skills that can help, he sees Simon as being able to play a role. And maybe this is what leads ultimately to Simon proposing a job in Ariel is kind of this experience um, in its own way. That's a great point. That's a really good point. I think it is. Yeah. You know, that's the most integrated he is with the rest of the crew. And it kind of starts here. Yep. Um, What he realizes he can't be the face of the crime, but he can be the brains behind the crime. Right. And maybe he can at least be willing to this is good. buy what they do a little bit more, you know, that he can be a little bit more at peace with kind of the lifestyle that he's got no choice but to be part of now. Um, this is kind of Drax the destroyer big guy. Come to the right place. <laughs> the mutter is here. Right. Yeah, I think this is a theme in a lot of... Uh, there's an early Miyazaki movie called Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind where yes. society has crumbled to the point that they more or less can't mine metal anymore. So they're reduced to ceramic parts um, uh, or maybe it's Castle in the Sky. I can't remember which, but this idea that ceramic technology would eventually resurge even in a far future setting um, is not unheard of you know it's cheap it's easy to make it can be quite sturdy you don't need everything to be made out of metal it's lighter obviously um you know for all the time i'm sorry for all the time they spend world building and the outer colonies it seems to me the most interesting episodes involve either the central worlds or the imperials in some form or another Right. Uh, you know, because you, you do get a, a repetitive sort of feel about it. But more so, man, and this is wh- how I'll defend the movie. A, a, and there's a couple ways the movie's superior. Mostly the series is superior. But one is the sort of <clears throat> desperateness and hopelessness is much more apparent. I mean, if mm-hmm. you look at it, what's going on in this world right now, in the inner you know, worlds, the rich worlds, is, is horrible. And then what's going on in the outer worlds, you've got this where they're slaves, you've got saffron, you've got... Oh, here we go. <laughs> and this is where the scene And you've got Jane as a hero. I mean, that's the thing. That's how horrible the situation is, is this guy is a hero. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even look like him. It's so no, totally through performance. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and Simon squares. <laughs> so again, he manages to tie this scene back to something you know that he's already established. Right. Whedon is really good at setting up stuff yeah. that will either pay off later in the episode or pay off in future episodes. Yeah. And it's one of the ways that as as much as we might wish there was more Firefly you can see these 14 episodes as on some level a complete work because well, it does feel like or pretty damn close. But you're not going to like what I say, which is that season two would have gone way more in the serenity direction and Whedon was going to take it darker. I mean, he's been pretty open Probably. about it. I, sure. I think it would have been a funnier. I mean, look at objects in space. That's a really dark just, episode of network it, television. It's also pretty funny. I mean, it, it's got some pretty damn funny lines in it. All I'm saying uh, is this is there's a light humorous touch over every episode of this series, but the situation of humanity is horrific. Sure. And, and even on the ship, you're not sure whether you like guys like Jane. So I know you're not as big as I am into the notion of who are we fighting for or what are we fighting for, mm-hmm. but it's just not really clear other than, you know, they're too caught up with their own bullshit to even realize how bad they go. Look at Simon. Look at him. Yeah. He's great. This is some of Simon's funniest Best. moments are, are in this episode. I also, love Simon in this episode. 
Oh my god! See, this is the one you may have to take over because I. So uh, so okay. So what's great is watching this episode. This must be what going mad feels like. But Simon is actually judging it as a work of art for a while there, which is great. You can see it on his face, trying to understand how such a monstrosity could exist. <laughs> kind of angry, don't he? That's kind of what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> is that what is that what uh, Jewel State said? Uh, kind of angry. Yeah, yeah. Looks kind of angry. <laughs> the eyes seem to follow you, etc. Um. Right, I'm turning up the volume. Here we go. <laughs> Playing art critic. <laughs> Your ass piece of work. <laughs> they are so tr- transfixed by it. <laughs> I wonder if they were even looking at anything here, man. I mean, that's that's the br- the beauty of filmmaking and, and great acting. <laughs> Look at the way Kaylee's going side to side like it's the Mona Lisa. This is great eye acting by all of them. I mean, their eyes and carry so much of what makes this so funny. As you can see the different emotional reactions in all of them. Uh, you know, his fear, Simon's complete and utter disbelief, Kaylee's oh disbelief God. on kind of level. Sorry. And now we get to Inara, oh who looked... God. She's, in she's shadow a queen. And, and vulnerable at times in the yeah. last episode, but is now back into her radiant self. Yeah. You know, another scene where she glows and kind of just is this shining she's a princess. thing. I don't want to objectify, but she shines. She's she gives off light. I I mean, I I, angelic, I, I think this that. was one of those like Joss Whedon self challenges to be like, I'm going to create this character and create reasons why it's not sexist and it's empowering over and over and over right. again in different ways. And that might be another reason for your argument that they couldn't have kept this up forever. Her character in particular, I think that's why they were not writing her off. But as the series was ending, she was leaving. It wasn't clear what's was going to happen with her. Okay, here we go. There's a lot then, of broad comedy in this episode, which I'm totally fine with. There is. And as you said, this is the episode that maybe brings Book down to earth a little bit that <laughs> <clears throat> makes him seem not quite so high and mighty. Um, what I like and, about it is subtle things. He doesn't immediately grab it from her, you know, like even though she's already ruined chunks of it. He's trying right. to understand. He's really trying to understand. He knows he can get another Bible. He's a shepherd, right? I mean, sure. That's the other thing. Why don't we see monasteries on some of these planets when he visits other shepherds? That would be so cool. Like, I'm not sure why they don't explore that. This brings up my bigger point, man, which is that as dark as the movie Serenity is, his planet that he's on in that movie is like Mm -hmm. a really nice little utopia until it gets destroyed, you know? Like, we don't see, other than the dance scene in Mrs. Reynolds at the beginning where they get married by accident, we don't see a whole lot of that joyfulness on, on the outer planets. Well, so I it's think actually the, uh, really way more depressing than, than it seems. It's pretty happy, but uh, well, I'm sorry. Say that again. Dance scene in uh, safe is also a, a moment of joy, but you no, know, no, no, I, no, no, no. I'm talking about the people, the the, the natives, civilians. Natives seem to be having a pretty good time in that safe dance as well as the the party. Oh, the safe on, dance. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think the reason <laughs> that was a great little tug of war. It, yeah, I think the reason book doesn't take it away from her is because he's trying to understand her and he he recognizes that as smart as she is she's not rejecting this book she's trying to understand it and doesn't want to take that away from her you know so Uh, okay do you mind if i talk for like a minute here go ahead so as a musician this is the opportunity that you live an entire life for to create a song like this and a show like this in a moment like Mm -hmm. this because it is so hard to write songs that don't sound horribly cheesy to your own self. Maybe other people like it, but listening to your own compositions, it's, it's a major skill. 
and that's why I could never be a songwriter. But this is a totally self-conscious, you know, uh, like triple meaning kind of song here. So it can be a little cheesy and it can be on the nose because that's what it's supposed to be doing. And you have a character to write it about and you have a genre of music within which to compose it. I don't know if Joss wrote this himself, but this sounds like a Joss Whedon. Um, or actually, no, I should say, um, is it Zach or Jed that does the music? I think it's Zach, actually. I think Zach Whedon is, like, in Dr. Horrible wrote the music, I believe. I'm not entirely sure about that. That kid um, looks like he was in Hook or something like that. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should be saying Rufio very loudly. Yeah. The bottom line is the Whedon brain trust is very strong. And uh, when it comes to music, okay. This guy, you're like, does he have an accent? He looks like an alien? Like, who is this? Where do they find these characters? Yeah, this guy is just... This guy could just be Warwick Harrow from Shindig, just not, you know, as good. Um, Yeah. The thing is, there's some sloppy plot writing in this episode, which you completely ignore and forget about and don't care about, because the important things are all there. Right. And it doesn't... This scene, the scene is overall is essential, but this whole conversation... What does this really establish that the guy they're looking for is dead, but it's this other guy? The stuff is where the first guy put it. So why do they need the the original guy to be dead? You know, these guys are bad guys. Well, we know that already. So that's That's actually a a little bit of pointless filler. It it Um, is, but it's like seven lines of pointless filler, which is exactly it's just pure exposition. Here we go. Simon's truly having a nightmare now. (laughs) (laughs) I've said before, I, I think... Sean Marr shows amazing facial acting ability you know, throughout you this know what show. Though, man? And this is some of this is another side of his character, you know. It, it, but here's the thing, man. <laughs> and and I, I, please keep laughing in the background for me. But Sorry. No, 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 no. no. I, I'm serious. Please keep laughing because I want to, but I just need to keep t- – someone needs to be talking. And right. the thing is, first of all, they sell the kid that's going to sacrifice himself. The guy's hat's ridiculous. But – if you're an average Fox TV watcher with no particular interest in any of these genres and you happen to turn on the channel while this was going on, mm-hmm. I can totally see rolling your eyes, turning it off and be like, I'm never watching that show again. Even though oh, yeah. this is one of my favorite moments of the series. If you're and not with these characters, this is all meaningless. It's like, why are they worshiping this guy? He just seems like an idiot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's why the, sure. it's a 14-episode movie is, is really what it comes down to. And that's why I'm with you that I'm cool that it only lasted 14, even though I think it could have gone more. Because it, it, really, sure. it all flows together. There's the guy. They would just replay the shot of that kid with his, right. with his head. But, but the, the other ca- guy. The, the, yeah, the, 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 um, the camera work here is actually quite good. They're keeping it shaky. Uh, we go around. Here comes the exposition. We barely, Jane barely has to give exposition. He nails it here. I think um, also, he doesn't tell the I've sometimes story. thought, I have an actual, uh, I've thought about this a lot. The thing that's harder for me to believe is, or understand is how this show got on the air. I can completely buy why this was so out there and bungled to be fair. Just well, yeah, he was making that money fist to fist, you know, hand over fist, not Fox. All of his shows were in the CW were, or, or the precursor forms, WB, UPN. <clears throat> That's what Buffy and angel both aired on. And he went to Fox. Initially? To get fire. Yeah. Always. 
Buffy was a WB show that went to UPN for six and seven. Angel was always WB start to finish. Well, but it's owned, but it's owned by Fox. No, it's not. UPN? He, no, UPN was a spinoff channel of hmm. WB. It, that's why it formed into the CW with the WB because it was all their property anyway and they just wanted to create a new <laughs> ch- <laughs> the Einstein here. He had no prior relationship with Fox and they bought this show and given that in general I think Fox has not had the smartest mainstream content over the last 20 years, I, I really think in terms of really out there cool stuff, they are they have sagged behind everybody else. I don't know why they got this show in the first place because clearly they didn't understand it. But it's so out there, I can totally buy people not getting it while it was on. <laughs> That's a great zoom out there with the kid smiling. He's so proud of himself. The kid was the one to identify him. <laughs> and that's the thing this is kind of depressing to think about you know that they worship this guy i mean there, there were dark overtones to the whole series even when it seemed sort of light at times i like that the that guy's still there the young guy who's gonna sacrifice right. himself he's taking it pretty seriously and you don't see that coming yeah you know until right at the end i mean now he starts <laughs> oh, yeah. speaking so now he's somebody but yeah. <laughs> they give him like real whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To me. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's what gr- you were talking yeah. about, about the dark tone overtones of this episode. I think you're absolutely right. And again, at the end, Jane recognizes that he says, what's wrong with you people. You think there's people who are just going to drop money on you when they need it themselves. Yeah. There ain't people like that. There are just people like me. After he has just bashed a dude's brains out on a, the base of a statue, yeah. um, or against and, a yeah. rocker thing, and, 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 and so yeah, and until Mal and the crew rally at the end of the movie, they never really get their idealism. You know, I mean, they're right. always right on the edge of just uh, misbehaving for the wrong reasons and not the right ones. And uh, you know, and this episode is about how even the crew are not so lofty because all of them take advantage of this um you know mal doesn't believe for a second this is anything worth you know respecting it is just a way they can get their shit and move it easily this is important here by the way right he says fuck my son and she tells him to go fuck himself yep and it, she's never the delicate by the way he looks like zach quinto's younger brother um she's never the delicate flower D- she's only delicate around mal you know even then she's lashing out you know mm-hmm. you always feel like she let's put it this way i think inara probably carries a small dagger with her wherever she goes and if she had oh, to stab I'm, this I'm guy pretty sure of it yeah if she had to stab this guy to death she would and by the way she wouldn't be prosecuted for it he looks like zach quinto look at this guy yeah, a little bit. Um, name is Zachary Kranzler. There you um, go. Never has really... To me! <laughs> <laughs> Few acting credits, but very little. You know, one episode of Frasier, uh, one episode of a show called Las Vegas, one episode of uh, Nash Bridges. It's in a movie called Plan Mona Lisa. Very, very small acting career. Um, I don't really know why, uh, but... Well, because Joss does when you know someone only has to give a few lines, it's either about their look or their Hi. voice. All of these actors 
do drunk really well the do you drunk know the, really well and by the way he is he self-pitying pen. here to an annoying yeah. degree and she the fact that she's still with him but then he makes well, a he's joke. able to get himself out of that shit uh you know yeah. he's able to turn it around even he maybe yeah. he's even self-aware enough to know <laughs> realizes he's bitching yeah. um but i think yeah I think Kaylee appreciates seeing him actually kind of being maybe himself a little bit you're and pretty, not pretty. Being... I love that line. You're pretty, pretty. I just said that you're pretty. Look at, they have such great chemistry. That's yeah. when, when you see it happen in the movie, you're so pumped. Special. Oh, here it is. You're covered in. Yes, I grace. thought so. She said, okay. Um, you know, and she'll mock him a little bit later for how this all goes down. But, you know, can I can I just be honest here, man, for a sec about Kaylee <laughs> and Jewel State, right. who, by the way, is gorgeous. It, it, when they the few times she gets to dress up, you see how gorgeous she is. But she looks great as a grease monkey. Amazing yeah. facial structure, best smile in the universe. Right. Canadian, but, I think Canadian, and <laughs> whatever yeah, that. Simon, yeah. I don't know why I threw that in there, but uh, the Captain wants them to get together so badly, but. As beautiful as Inara is, and as sexy and badass as uh, Gina Torres is, as Zoe, I think it's safe to say that the, the Kaylee is the one that nerds, n- nerd boys probably like the best. Might be just because she, she seems like the most relatable down yeah. to earth. Like, you don't want to date her, you know? Like, She's totally it, da- great dateable material if, if you could possibly have a shot. Right. Now, I could argue that each character, each female character on this show embodies one particular nerd fantasy, the warrior And I have all three of them, plus Christina Hendricks, so that's four. Right. I mean, even even River is in her own way a nerd fantasy character. Although not until you see her in Sarah Connor when she's an adult. Here, she still looks like a little girl. Once she's an adult, you're like, oh. I, I don't know that that actually matters all that much. I mean... To me, I'm, if to if me. you like anime, uh, especially TV anime, I, I there are a I lot of like, like school, Ghost in the Shell. Okay, but there are a lot of schoolgirl characters. Yeah, so I clearly, know. in the nerd world, there's kind of an interest in that younger kind of. But Kelly but has a young crazy. heart. Right. Kelly has a young soul, and that's what's attractive. Zoe, you know, is a little like damaged mentally, and Nara is like, so complicated to the point of like you could never understand her. You know. Kaylee's someone you could relate to, even as a friend. That's yeah. the thing. Like, Kaylee's the one I'd want as a friend. Inara um, and Zoe are both extremely intimidating really in different ways. Yes. And River, I mean, you don't exactly... Her craziness is kind of intimidating. And then when you <laughs> see her fight in Serenity, it's taken to a whole new level of intimidation. Yeah. Um, in the same way that... Inara reminds me a little bit in that respect uh, uh, of Six from Battlestar Galactica, who, and I say this with, comp, you know, with, as a positive, I found her character to be incredibly sexually intimidating. And I think her character was designed that way. Yeah. Um, you she know, was she was designed this, to do that. And so she had to evolve right. into having other qualities. But that's right. Yeah. The original Caprica Six, that was her whole point. Seduce Baltar and it's the end of the world. Right. You know, this tall statuesque, Stir, you know kind of domineering blonde uh I, I found her to be an intimidating character in a way that even Kara thrace was a little bit more relatable even though she was pretty tough and you know as well talk about uh, crazy girls that i'm in love with starbuck yeah. is right at the top of the list right 
you know. that's yeah that's the thing i'm not usually into to grounded girls like uh kelly but she's just so charismatic and smart and just appealing as a personality simon clearly likes her he he is saying the wrong things you know uh, right but not for the wrong reasons if that makes sense he's just he's just a dope around girls he may never have had a serious girlfriend before we don't know yeah you guys had a riot on account of me <laughs> my very own riot this is that this guy to me looks like um uh a little bit like marston uh yeah he looks like marston yeah. um he totally looks james and yeah. oh, this is what i was gonna say about whedon before man is that he continues to have p- good projects paired with the wrong partners like it seems like like you know, Fox clearly wasn't the right partner for this. And then they tried Dollhouse, which was a miserable failure. Somehow went on longer than this show, if you can believe it. <clears throat> yeah, I think he said he either worked out a deal ahead of time or something. But he said, I didn't want Dollhouse to be uh, the, my next Firefly. I wanted to conclude that story. So I got a second season made just so I could wrap the story up the way I wanted to wrap it up. But um, then, you know obviously things went well with the first Avengers and I would say not everyone would the second Avengers, but you know, he, he wrote one of the original treatments on the X-Men movie from 2000. They decided that he wasn't serious enough for it. And I I think that was the right decision, by the way, speaking of lookalikes, looks like Jeff Bridges, evil brother. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) If you locked the dude in a box and didn't let him smoke any weed or anything and chopped out one of his eyeballs, maybe you'd get stitch hitches. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Which is such a cowboy bad guy name. It really is. Uh, To your point about Ultron, like it or don't like it by any metric, it was a success. It made $1.2 billion, $1.3. Four billion dollars. Yeah, That's and launched the second half of the the, the three phase Marvel project, basically. Yeah. So, um, um, but the point being, you know, I, I'm not sure where Firefly would have been successful in 2002 on television because oh, where now we had, have Netflix, HBO, Amazon, Hulu. There's like a thousand places to put it. Sci-Fi Channel. Sci-Fi Channel would have been perfect for they, Firefly, but at the time, they, it they either ruined I, everything. Sci- Sci-Fi yeah, Channel ruined everything. Firefly and Battlestar. The standard would have been so high that the new shows they got, they would have demanded more quality from. They they played they played uh, move the Battlestar around the weekly night schedule. Suicide Trek on them in their fourth right. season, even though they agreed to end the show, they still fucked with them. And then the only other good show they've had up till now is Stargate Universe. They cancel after two seasons, and now it's a bunch of schlock. I tried to watch The Expanse, man. It's not good. It's just not appealing. <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay, so he says nothing happened. Do you think anything happened? No. I think they probably I think kissed. They, I, I like to think they kissed. There's not... There's not oh, here we go. Not with what me. What do you mean uh-huh. not with me? I, Mel's already bored with this charade. <laughs> I think he passed out oh, drunk and then great. she went to sleep on top of him. That's what I think happened. No, I'm, 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 I think I'm if they kissed, saying, like, that would have been acknowledged later. That would have oh, changed their dynamic more. A kiss is just a kiss. It's not a big deal. You're drunk. You kiss the first little couple seconds. You go to sleep. I think they yeah. kissed. Um, Maybe. Jane Ever. loves his whores. Um, no offense <laughs> to this lovely lady. Don't even know that she's a whore. She might just be a townsperson. Who well, just wanted to sleep with the hero? Well, she might. Well, so when you're Jane, Jane, it's the same thing. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, 
I don't think he exactly respects women, but uh, although he's always nice to them when he sleeps, you know, like in Heart of Gold, he's very protective yeah. of the girl that's with him. He talks more cruelly about them than he actually treats them when he has to interact with them, which maybe is a little bit more depth. Um, <laughs> I love how each of them are just... He's I, even, even in his horrified state, Jane finds time to be condescending asshole to Simon. <laughs> yep. I think Mal wishes Simon and Kaylee would hook up because Simon would be more bearable to be around if he wasn't so uptight all the time. Right. And Kaylee would be slightly less uptight. Simon is a virgin. I mean, I, I, Kaylee, obviously we know she's not Simon, I think is probably never had sex with anybody. I think Simon's what I call a high school virgin where he probably had sex briefly with like a high school girlfriend, but that was it. Like he's never so had like a mature. So rarely that it that it he's still uptight about it. No, I just still, there's not, between there's between having sex when you're 16 and when you're 26. You know, I mean, you're a kid and then you're an adult. I'm not sure he's had adult sex. I, I don't think he's never had sex. But I never really thought about this issue till now. So thanks for making me think about it. Okay, how does how the fuck does Morena Baccarin pull off these scenes? They're so cheesy, you know, on the uh, on the page. And she just nails it. In some ways, she has the highest level of difficulty, other than River, I think, of the entire uh, show. I'm not saying she's the best or the most interesting. Well, what's interesting about her is that she is playing a character who is also a character. You know, the idea, Inara the Companion is a role that she has to take onto herself. And then when she finishes with these people, she has to come out of that role. So she is acting... She's playing the part of somebody who plays a part, and that's a second level that's more demanding than these people who are basically themselves most of the time. Mal is just Mal all the time. Jane is just Jane, and they get more depth or less, but they don't ever pretend to be an entirely different person. Um, and in Nara, I think that's one of the central questions is when am I the companion and how do I get out of that? You know, how do I leave the work behind? Look at I the think way that's they one of the pace this and, and the way they talk to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so relaxed. I mean, yeah, just one in all the time in the world and they gave him none. But if they'd given him nine seasons, I think they still could have made this interesting just because of the, how relaxed these characters are. You know, I mean, it's not clear to me how they bonded so quickly. Now, you and I have both seen some of the behind-the-scenes for the show and the mm-hmm. movie. So maybe over like the final half of these episodes, we can piece it together. But, you know, for I don't a, bunch know of actors, I, a bunch of actors who had not had a lot of work before, um, I think this is my showrunner thing. I think when you have a great showrunner, he can, he can make it work. Uh, and you say that Joss was on set a lot, which is which is good to hear. Oh, I have no doubt of that. I mean, the only thing that I can think of, and this isn't quite a fair comparison, is none of the musicians in the Beatles were as good as the four of them were together. They were great musicians, but they weren't the Beatles. Mm. And not, and in the same way, there was just something about Firefly that just came together and caught lightning and just bands. worked. Yeah, at such a higher level than anything anybody could have imagined, uh-huh. and I, I don't want to spend the last five episodes talking about why this was so good because I don't think we'll come to a conclusion. No, that's I think not it's where I was going with the question. An unanswerable question. Yeah. People are going to yeah. be 
wondering and analyzing Firefly forever. And I, this is when the scene changes, and I love th- that. You know, yeah, when she suddenly thinks it's Mal. That's the the, the <laughs> misplaced hero. You know, and Inara is stammering. She never loses her cool in front of a client. <laughs> She's yes, almost was- turned on by the fact that that Mal was a folk hero. Oh. Yes, that, that would be bad. Be bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh God. Um, Anyway, you notice that he actually does wind up getting food or something. Oh, he uh, asks for a menu. <laughs> I love that line. Can I see a menu? Oh, what? <laughs> What's a menu? And again, though, even in all of this, we get to see another moment in which Simon is quite brave, where this guy who, you know, clearly you don't want to fuck with at all. And even then, he's like, I don't know who Jane is. You know, he's willing to get the shit kicked out of him. Because he can sense this guy means harm to his crewmates, even the ones who don't like him very much. Um, Simon never learns from these experiences. He remains naive and overly trustworthy. It's, it's you know, I'm what not I mean? sure about that. I think he, you know, not trustworthy. Like he, you know, he, he doesn't he never stop being to surprised. That right. uh, he never stops being surprised that people like this exist. I think is it safe to say. Uh oh, that's quite a knife. And he never figures out how Ooh, to um, oh, that's a bad talk in a way that diffuses these situations instead of exacerbates them. Yeah. But he is also not willing to compromise some of his core values, one of which is loyalty, whether it's to River or even to this crew that hates him. You know, with the, I mean, Mal doesn't like him, never likes him. Jay never likes him. I, I have no idea what Zoe or Wash think of him. Um I actually Although think Mal does him. like him, but he just Simon continues to give. Other, they, yeah. But I don't think they're ever friends. May, not even at the end of Serenity. I think they uh, they get along. They recognize they're in the same battle. You know, they're on the same side. They're not friends. Um, yeah, but, even they're, if, but they're they're like they're the kind of friends that fight a lot, and occasionally Mal's going to hit them, and every once in a while Simon will hit him. Jane's the kind of guy that Mal has to hit regularly just to keep in line, which is much, if you're Mal, you know, let's put it this way. If he was forced to airlock Jane or Simon, all things being equal, I think Jane would clearly be the one going out the airlock based on trust. He might not like Simon. He might get annoyed by Simon. Simon might compromise his particular mission at times, but Simon has a code of ethics and morals that Jane has nothing even close to. And this is their attempt to give it to him. I mean, within the storyline and it absolutely fails. He does get humbled, but Ariel in what two episodes and it's back to like old Jane, but 10 times worse. Sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I also, yeah, if I was Mal, I would be always nervous that Jane was working some other angle, uh, whereas I don't think he actually would ever fear Simon betraying him. Um, Maybe a little bit in the pilot, but after that, you know, he gets that Simon is part of this, even if he doesn't necessarily want to be. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and that's why by the time Jane tries to sell them out officially for the third time in the movie, Mal doesn't even blink an eye because it's so desperate at that point, and he is almost on Jane's side about getting rid of them. He tried to get rid of them, you know, unlike Ariel, where he has to send a message. That's this the biggest also- gap. That's I'm sorry, that's the biggest gap is Mal and Simon's relationship between the end of the series and the movie. Yeah, and... I- 
having gone in the correct, I think, order of Firefly to Serenity, the opening scenario of being so pissed that he punches Mal and leaves, it feels so forced. It doesn't... Like, I mean, it, it works because they're seem, great actors and they have great chemistry, so I don't care. They pull but, it yeah. off, but the, it doesn't make sense why it happens. And there's a real question of what does that actually serve? Because they're sitting in the same bar they would have gone to if they weren't off the ship. They would have just been going into that bar with Mal as crewmates. And she gets triggered, and then he takes her. I mean, I guess it causes a little extra tension that yeah. they had a chance to... <laughs> Interesting moment where Stitch kind of figures out what's going on. Um, senses. Oh, are we at the climax already? Wow, that you're came at the on. climax. Oh. This is a really fast-moving episode. It um, really is. And yet, you have those moments before where they're standing, plotting, you know, in the middle of the woods or whatever with the with the mule. I think there is something interesting about these two characters of Stitch and Jane. This is Stitch a super is meditative so episode. Sh- Sorry about it. This is a really just meditative almost relaxing episode of filmmaking go ahead you know stitch is extremely disheveled looking ugly hairy beard you know scarred up and jane looks much more clean cut stands proud stands tall is actually in a slightly elevated position because he's standing on that platform and yet stitch is the one who shows seems calls out jane for being disloyal and jane uh doesn't recognize that he is different even from the criminal ilk he goes with in that in his selfishness um i mean you know the plot twist of of how we get to here is way more cringeworthy than simon hitting mal and then them briefly leaving the crew in the movie and coming back my point being it's all about character building it's all about getting jane to where he needs to be from a character standpoint so they create this guy why doesn't he shoot the guy who locked him up right he could shoot them and shoot jane you know he's got plenty of bullets Oh, he really kills this guy. And if, yeah, this, and if the fox had any guts... against the base of his statue. I mean, Wait, say that again? He bashes his brains out on the base of his statue. Yep. I mean, I'm not sure I could explain exactly what that symbolism is, but I think it's very deliberate that he kills him on the statue they've erected to him from the moment, you know, from this crime that also produced Stitch, you know? Normally, that shot, by the way, would have resulted in a huge splatter of blood on his face. I'm yeah, trying. that's network TV. But um, I'm, no, I'm trying to. I, it makes it reminded me of a. It reminded me of a. Uh, of a TV shot or a movie shot, right? So he gave his crappy hackneyed uh, speech Just before, like and now he's given the real one from Jane, which is the yeah. cy- the cynical worldview. And he kicks down the statue, and then they, you know, and on top of everything, you don't even need it. They pull the statue back up because that's what desperate people do. And that's that's the darkness behind episodes like this, you know? Mm-hmm. That's and Jane, yeah. and it's interesting that Jane is left in a very compromised state. You know, when this episode ends, he is just sitting on the catwalk in this very unstable place of not understanding everything of not uh, another sign that Jane, one of his skills is that he is stronger than even most people. I mean, that's probably a pretty heavy statue, even if it's made of clay, um, you know, but this idea that he doesn't understand what's going on and that even his place in this world, he is starting to question a little bit 
you do wish if there were a couple of more seasons of this that maybe they would have gotten a chance to explore a little more how much Jane can grow. Because really, he doesn't do a lot of growth after this. Little bits and pieces of it. You know, he forms a real relationship with Shepard Book that I think he probably thinks is more valuable to him um, in lieu of what happened on on this planet. Um, Just because he's tired of everybody thinking of him as either a thug or this fake hero thing. Um, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the difference in morality of, of, of uh, Mal and, uh, and Jane <laughs> is he's just like Zachary Quinto. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Jane's just a worse person the guy than who Mal. plays, um, uh, damn it, Jackson on uh, Stargate. That's who he reminds me of. Oh, the guy who replaced, um, what's his face? James Spader. James Spader. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's got that same. Yeah, that guy is a much better actor than this guy. (laughs) Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. There's a reason this Kranzler guy never went on to do anything, whereas... See, that's another show. It's too bad that the original Stargate show, SG-1, wasn't produced by a good network with a decent budget and good writers, because that had tons of potential. And it was just, it was total cheese. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Here's your line. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole thing, I don't know how to interpret it as anything this other than just a comic s- subplot with River and Book because they don't really interact with each other again. So it's hard to say if their relationship changed because of this. Yeah, except she gets weirdly zen while fucking with him. It's like almost, well, re- yeah. it like relaxes her to screw with him, I think is really Maybe. interesting. She's so calm in this episode. When has she ever been this calm? That's true. She does not flip out at all. We have a good run of episodes up until Ariel where they she kind of achieve some sense of harmony with her setting and then towards the end it starts to get more and more thrown off um this is this is her trying to be straight with him right and this is him being straight with her you know his idea that this is how i believe you show you know it's all that i have um more out here yep this is a really interesting debate you know, I've talked a lot about how Simon, one of his defining characteristics is a sense of not fitting in at all in this world, this fringe world. He doesn't feel, he feels like he'll never fit in here. And so can you really blame a person who feels that way for falling back on what his <laughs> core is? And that includes formality and politeness. Um, I love that. She's so cute. And that's what I love is like, she tries to get to know him as a friend. She's never seducing him, you know? It's no, like, not at all. It's, 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 a, it's a great thing. Cause she has had sex, but she's never right. had someone she's really fallen in love with. And she's fallen for this guy. So she's trying to get to know him and she can tell he doesn't want to move quickly. And I mean, that's a great comment for the guy not to want to move quickly. Right. Sure. And the, you know, and that's what's so awesome in the, in the movie is when he finally says, you know, I would love to, be with you the first thing she says you mean sex (laughs) and he smiles and he not you know i would also (laughs) say i don't know if his character is really like this because i don't think there are any lines that back this idea but i think simon on some level knows that if i changed if i became some rustic outlaw cowboy kind of character like all these other people in this world Kaylee would see that it's fake, that it's bravado, that it's a put upon, and she wouldn't like me because of it. And that the only way she's really going to like me is if I am who I am. You know, this I is think 
I'm sorry, this is so important here. That Mal, as much as he doesn't respect Jane in terms of being a man and a good person, or at least an ethical person, it is so practical. And, you know, and that, yeah, you're a horrible role model, but that's what they need to survive right now. Yeah. And that- it just ends. It just, it, you know, on the catwalk, Mal has said what he can say, but he's, he kind of sees all that. Jane's got to work this out on his own and maybe he's incapable of working it out. But yeah. I mean, all I can really do is be here while he tries to puzzle through it a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, um, I guess what I was getting to earlier, uh, we'll wrap this up uh, and jump to the next episode is that it would have been cool for one of the episodes to be on an Alliance planet, but one where mm-hmm. they were like able to keep the Alliance away a little bit and not be super big brothery and like it'd be actually like a good Alliance planet. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, to have some sort of, you know, agricultural semi-utopias on the fringe a little bit, like it seems uh, Shepherd Book's colony is in the movie or whatever, you know what right. I mean, of, of, of enlightened people who, who perp- you know, who choose to leave the central planets, even if they have money and or education. That would be interesting. Yeah. Because in Star I Trek, Whedon we see that would... all the time, right? I mean. Sure. I, th- I think Whedon would say that a scenario like that, somebody would find a way to take advantage of it. Like heart of gold is a fairly prosperous place, but only because the guy with all the the money has utopic spot on the outer planet. It was just so brilliant. The second to last episode with the house of horrors, quote unquote, they're the most, yeah, civilized and, you know, helping one another. It's a cooperative society. They stick together. I mean, it's amazing. We don't see that kind of bravery on any of the other outer planets. That's a great point. Right. But even in that world, there is this one rich man who kind of calls all the shots and, you know, the Nandy says he's kind of turned this place into a theme park where he's, you know, playing a role and everybody's got to follow him. So even then you have people hmm, taking sounds advantage. Sounds like a show that might be on television right now that's getting away with much more hype. A theme park of women doing what <laughs> men tell them to do i don't know this sounds kind of familiar i'm sorry I, i'm not trying to be snarky but i i, I can't help yes myself. you are <laughs> no well, i'm trying to be mean and i'm just sounding oh, okay. snarky <laughs> which is way less effective westworld you suck all right guys we're gonna jump on to the next one thanks matt ag that was a lot of fun and we are out